Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Good evening, America, and welcome to your special President's Day edition of Just the News, No Noise. I'm your host, John Solomon, reporting to you, as always, from Washington, D.C. In just a few minutes, my co-host Amanda Head and I are going to be sitting down with Matt Schlapp, the head of CPAC, to talk about the history of this great event, which starts this week. It's the Super Bowl of conservative politics, uh, and it's going to be a big event this year. President Trump, one of many big headliners at the event. We're going to be very excited about that. And we're building toward another very consequential presidential election, as you know. And so that will be the topic for so much of what goes on at the event. But before we get into that special conversation, I want to turn things over to my amazing co-host, Amanda Head, who's stationed out in Los Angeles for one more day before heading to the East Coast. She's going to join us at CPAC. We're going to be live for the second half of the week here in Washington. Amanda, happy President's Day. Special day, I know, especially for someone like you, who's such a great student of history. I do love history, and good evening to you, John. Good evening to all of you. Happy President's Day. I am absolutely looking forward to covering CPAC. Uh, This network I've been with for, oh my goodness, six years. I've been covering it with them ever since 2017. I always love going there. It is one of my yearly highlights because I feel like CPAC has, you know, it grows in size every year. They always adapt to, to changing culture and politics. And as you remember, we were down in Orlando a few years ago for the conference as many convention centers and people feared COVID more than they believed in their faith to guide them. But while everyone makes their own decisions, I am so very grateful for the leadership of CPAC for their uh, evolving in times like that. And I'm excited to dive into all things ACU with Matt in just a few moments. But as you mentioned, John, you know, kids these days have more technology available to them than I think we ever did, which can be a great thing, of course, because, you know, for educational purposes, at least. But unfortunately, most kids today are spending such an ungodly amount of time on apps like TikTok rather than with their head in a history book. And it absolutely breaks my heart. But while President's Day, not like Christmas or Easter, but it does have its own meaning. So let's get into that. Back in 1800, following the death of first President George Washington, his birthday, which is February 22nd, became a perennial day of remembrance. And despite the uh, unofficial observance for most of the 1800s, it wasn't until the late 1870s when it became a federal holiday with great thanks to the partnership of Arkansas Senator Stephen Wallace Dorsey and then President Rutherford, Rutherford B. Hayes. Now, ironically enough, the holiday only applied to those in the District of Columbia as if they needed one more extra day off. But in 1885, it expanded to the whole country. But in the late 1960s, The shift from Washington's birthday celebration to President's Day 
began when there was a proposed change by an Illinois senator looking to make the day into Uniform Monday in honor of labor unions and private sector workers. So while this full legislative change wasn't adopted by Congress, the main piece of the act passed in 1968, taking effect in 1971. And that's how we shifted from celebrating Washington's birthday on that fixed date of February 22nd celebrating every third Monday of February. Fascinating history, John. I love celebrating these holidays. Uh, and, you know, for most people, I love for most people to get the time off. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great day to remember all of the extraordinary leaders that this country has produced over the years. Mm -hmm. um, the bravery, the, the common sense and the commitment to freedom, which today I think is in grave danger. Well, folks, uh, I'm so excited uh, to have the majority of this show focus on the American Conservative Union in CPAC. Amanda and I have been going there for years. I think I've covered 28 or 29. This might be my 29th now as a reporter. So exciting for me. Why? Oh. Because it's the Super Bowl of politics, right? The, the left doesn't have an event like this. And if you want to understand where the conservative movement is, you just put your finger on the pulse at CPAC and you pretty much can understand what will be the ideas and the forces shaping each election each year. Uh, for five decades, CPAC has grown in size by thousands. It's become a place where young conservatives can gain confidence in their conservatism and find camaraderie, something that's hard to do sometimes in liberal colleges today. Uh, this year is going to be especially big. Of course, former President Donald Trump will be on the main stage, a headliner again. Several world leaders are going to be on the stage. That's a big deal. Uh, and uh, a few less members of Congress, which I can't wait to ask our first guest about today. Matt Slapp is the chairman of the American Conservative Union and, of course, the Grand Poobah of CPAC, and he joins us right now. Matt, great to have you on the show. Great to be with you guys again. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on. I never thought we'd have an opening of a show with Rutherford Beat Hayes and the Grand Poobah, but we did it. We made it. We got it in there. Uh, it is such a great honor to have you on. Uh, people are super excited about uh, this year's CPAC, and I think uh, there's so much strife in the world, and yet I think a lot of people are realizing the strife is making people look back and say, I think I might be conservative. I didn't think for a while, but I think I'm conservative. There's an amazing transformation in country going on today. Tell us what CPAC's going to be about this year. Yeah, so our theme is where globalism goes to die. And the great irony is, is that we'll have more people traveling to Washington, D.C. from around the globe than we've ever had. So uh, it's not that uh, conservatives in America don't care about these issues around the world. It's just that we care about our nation first. And each one of these uh, world leaders who are coming, they care about their nation first. And they have a great allegiance with conservatives in America because they're trying to stand up for those values in their countries, too. And who's their main opponent as they stand up for these value, values of like faith and family and our basic fundamental rights? Their, their opponents are the globalists. It's the World Economic Forum. It's the regime in uh, Beijing. It's the WHO. It's the UN. It's these big, terrible, woke companies, many based in America, who are trying to push uh, extreme leftist orthodoxy into their country. So there's a there's a real commonality between the conservative activist in America and the person who's just trying to do right and take care of their family in many of these other countries. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned that dichotomy between <clears throat> the slogan for this year's CPAC, where globalism goes to die. And and yet the global aspect of CPAC, because you do have a number of these world leaders descending upon uh, Washington for CPAC. But you look at the the, the culture of elections these past few years and the 
not not America first, but Netherlands first and El Salvador first and Argentina first presidents and world leaders who have been elected. Can you tell us some of those world leaders who are going to be coming and speaking? Yeah, so this uh, fiery uh, Argentinian President Javier Millet is coming, uh, who famously yeah. wielded a chainsaw uh, and <laughs> talked about how he's going to slash the bureaucracy. And by the way, he is doing that. He also famously said there's no plan B, meaning like Argentina only has one path forward to uh, get to economic stability, and it's by uh, his his reform agenda. Similar to what many of us feel about Donald Trump here in America, that if Donald Trump doesn't win, America is really, really endangered. And uh, and then we have this wonderful young president from El Salvador, President Bukele, um, who just won in a landslide. I don't even know how you call it 85 percent. It's more than a landslide. And basically his issue has been MSN 13, M- MS 13 and these gang members and these cartels. I'm going to put him in prison. We're going to make it so the streets of uh, El Salvador are safe. And even the El-, El Salvadoran community here in America is just loving the fact that he's bravely uh, standing up against this criminal element. We have uh, Mr. Abascal of Spain, who's the leading conservative politician in Spain, and many believe will be a future prime minister of Spain. It's interesting, these Spanish-speaking countries um, from Europe and from South America and from Central America, they see CPAC as an opportunity to have a conversation with uh, Latinos, Hispanics here in America about, like, what are our shared values? And what can we do to help each other? The Hispanic vote uh, is up for grabs because they're not woke. They actually love the country that they chose to live in. Uh, they love to take their family to church. Uh, they love so much about America's welcome, welcoming attitude. But the, the left is trying hard to capture this vote by convincing them that their boys should be girls, that their girls should be boys, that America's racist, and, uh, and indoctrinating people in public schools. So this is kind of the fight for our lives here in America, and we're going to help have a really important conversation with uh, these American Hispanics. Yeah, such an important man, and such an important part of our business, Main Street America, the fastest growing segment of Main Street America, our Latino businesses. It's so amazing to see. Yeah. Uh, Matt, there is a lot of world leaders on stage. There's some real famous names on stage, but there's a, a remarkable dearth of members of Congress this year. And you and I were talking last week. Uh, you gave me a reason. This is intentional. You made the t- decision here to not have as many members of Congress. Tell us why. Well, you know, usually uh, I tend to be a, a, a congenial, happy warrior, and people say, well, Senator so-and-so wants to come, and I say, well, yeah, well, he's a good guy. And then, But, you know, over time, um, we're getting stricter because the, the Republican Party has to chuck off to the side of the road this idea that they're just an institutional presence in Washington. They need to earn the support of conservatives, and one of the ways they earn it is to fight just as hard as Nancy Pelosi does for her agenda. The problem with too many Republicans, especially in the Senate, is they think sending funding to uh, the state of Israel and to the folks who are trying to destroy the state of Israel, Hamas and others, at the same time in the same bill, they think that's okay. Well, most of us think that's insane, that you have to pick a side in these conflicts. And uh, and the Republican Party needs to pick a side. What side are they on? Are they going to fight for this country? Or are they just going to try to get a little bit as this country goes into decline? And so the types of Republicans we'll have on the stage are the types of Republicans that stand up, like Tommy uh, Tuberville from uh, Alabama, who has been standing up for the rights of the unborn uh, and, and not wanting the Pentagon to become yeah. Planned Parenthood. 
And uh, Jim Jordan, who's this fiery head of the House Judiciary Committee, never stops fighting. Elise Stefanik, who is uh, mentioned as a potential VP pick. Th these are the types of members we have speaking. And uh, I'd like to invite more, but they need to earn it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I, you know, this is something that I have considered and thought about and ruminated over for the past seven, six or seven years since I've been coming to CPAC. I really thought that at some point the left would have an answer to CPAC. And, you know, they have different conferences in Washington, in Baltimore, in Aspen, you know, different places. But none of them rival CPAC. Why is it that they just can't seem to get a convention together that's anything close to CPAC? Well, you know, it's funny. Conservatives are rugged individualists, Amanda. And we really don't yeah. like centralized planning. We don't like being in one place at this at one time. So wrangling this all together uh, at this annual event is really, really difficult to do. Um, and part of the reason why we're successful is we have differences of opinion. We allow people to come who we don't necessarily agree with. I don't script anything that's on the stage. It's a live show. Um, and I think the Democrats and the left live every day in their own version of, of, of you know, taking orders on what to say and what to do. It's amazing how socialists really do work together better than conservatives do. And I think the great thing of CPAC, it is this time when the world now, not just the nation, but the world gets to see what do we stand for and what do we believe? So it's it's an incredibly important moment. Why the left can't a rival CPAC with their own event? I'll tell you why. The left doesn't ever create anything, Amanda. All the left does is destroy stuff. So what you'll notice starting uh, next week is an attempt to destroy Mercy and Me personally, an attempt to destroy CPAC as an organization, an attempt to mischaracterize who's speaking. Because really the left, they're like, you know, locusts. They come in to destroy. They're very, very, they have a huge challenge of building anything. They're great at coming into the Boy Scouts or a church or something and taking it over and destroying it. But they're not so good at being the architect in the beginning. Yeah, that's, that's true. They, they are uh, the most negative party in history right now, the last few years, particularly negative politics, unlike anything we've seen. Uh, Matt, we got about a minute left before the commercial break. You've graciously agreed to stick around a little bit longer, but uh, 74 CPAC was created in the ashes of Watergate. In two, 2021, it was the place where Donald Trump began his comeback. Are you amazed how much he's come back in three years? Yeah, I actually am. It's, it's one of the most amazing, you talk about history, one of the most amazing historical uh, things we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And we're going to get to see the 45th president uh, on the stage as the closer uh, on Saturday. It's going to be very exciting. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Don't worry, we're going to come back. Matt's agreed graciously to stick around for a little bit more. I want to get a little bit more into the history of CPAC. There is a great, rich history, and we're going to touch on some of the special moments. Plus, this year seems right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, 
you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Welcome back, everybody. I want to continue with this conversation where we left off because uh, what we're discussing is so important regarding CPAC. Matt Schlapp, who I believe John referred to as the grand poopa of CPAC, the mastermind behind everything that has been happening, everything that has become so culturally important surrounding Republican and conservative politics. Matt, great to have you back. Great to be with you guys. So we oftentimes have some audience that, you know, they're coming home from work and they just start tuning in in the B block of the show. So I just want to start with some of the headliners for uh, for CPAC this year. I know you've got some global leaders. Obviously, President Trump is the uh, the main event on Saturday. But talk to us about some of those people who I know I know folks are going to want to tune into if they can't come, then they're going to catch the streaming live. Oh, well, you know, let me do it. It's not just the people. It's also the topics. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about J6. Yeah. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this outrageously uh, weaponized bureaucracy uh, in Washington, D.C. And it's not just the FBI. It's like, unfortunately, a whole series of agencies that, you know, that are doing this. We're going to talk about the heroes and communities that have stood up um, to the woke agenda and are pushing back. Uh, I think you'll hear very few uh, defenders of corporate America, which has, you know, went off on this crazy tangent towards uh, kind of like trying to destroy what's great about this country. So those major themes uh, will be discussed. And then you have this question of Donald Trump. Um, and CPAC has stood four square with him the whole time because we recognized that the Republican Party needed a whole new kind of leadership as we were going to lose the country. And I think there, it, it's a valedictory moment for CPAC, for the activists across the country, for Donald Trump himself, of course, is this idea that he's done this amazing historical thing. He's come back from, you know, that crazy election in 2020, um, and he's going to get this nomination. He'll have a big victory in uh, South Carolina. And um, and so it's an amazing story. Yeah, that it is. 
Um, Matt, there are a lot of uh, great moments in the history of CPAC. And early on, it was really the conservative movement's uh, thinkers that just got together. And it was kind of older people. And over time, it very quickly morphed into a place where young conservatives could get yep. energized and grow confidence in their conservatism. And a few years ago, we were doing a, a special section. We was at the Washington Times, and I got to talk to Stan Evans. And he told me this story that Ronald Reagan was insistent in lowering prices at CPAC so young people could afford to come. And that really became the moment when this was a, a really important event for young conservatives, kids in college, high school. Uh, do you, tell us a little bit about the unique relationship for young conservatives in CPAC. Yeah, so there's two things about CPAC's history that are important, where there's many, but two come to top of mind, which is, number one, CPAC was established to help Ronald Reagan, the nation's most famous conservative politician, uh, launch out and build his national profile. So CPAC has always had good relationships with key uh, politicians like we do now with Donald Trump and others. And number two, as part of Reagan's special relationship with CPAC, there's the Reagan promise. And you just described it. Reagan's promise was that if the conservative movement's to grow in this country, we've got to capture the minds of young people. And so we've always had a greatly subsidized ticket price for young people this year. It's 50 bucks for the four days. And a lot of uh, partnering groups will actually even buy those tickets for the young people. So when Very you cool. come to CPAC, you'll see a whole bunch of young folks there. And you also see young professionals, people out of college. But, um, you know, they're victims of the fact that if you have our values, it's really hard to get ahead in, in these big public corporations. And so we have more and more of these young professionals coming to CPAC as well. I'm, I'm proud of that tradition is continuing, John. Yeah, it's a powerful yeah. tradition. Yeah. I mean, $50 for the whole of CPAC is is next to nothing. And I think it's amazing that you have honored that commitment to keeping it uh, keeping it available to young people financially. Um, I wanted to ask you about what's to come. We've obviously got the South Carolina primary. President Trump has been blazing the freeway or interstates. We say freeways out here on the West Coast. Blazing the interstates of South Carolina, doing rallies and speaking to the people of South Carolina. But the former governor of that state, Nikki Haley, still says she is sticking in strong and she's going to she's playing the long game. Your thought? Yeah, um, she is the only state uh, she's leading in is the state of denial. Uh, she uh, <laughs> is not really uh, tuning into where people are. I mean, it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, I actually like her. I think she has an important voice. But, you know, uh, presidential campaigns are really weird and they're very self-promotional. I think she just has too many people around her that are trying to uh, present some kind of a strategy where there's a win here. You cannot lose your home state and even basically have a future in that state. So, you know, if she's going all or nothing uh, on her future, uh, my, my money's on nothing. And I think that's unfortunate. I think she should get out. She should she should be for what's going to happen. She should make up with uh, President Trump and let's get about beating the Democrats and beating Joe Biden. That's that's where everybody's head is. Yeah, yeah, there's no mm -hmm. doubt that moment to unify is uh, now. Um, I, one of the great things that CPAC does is it creates an alternate infrastructure to the RNC, which sometimes can be dysfunctional. Every national party is dysfunctional. That's one of the challenges that uh, big party politics has. CPAC provides a lot of important uh, info and input that the parties don't do. One of them is the scorecard that you've created for every state legislature in the country, plus our Congress. They're really important. This year, there were some really interesting findings in the scorecards. Tell us a little bit about why it's important what you found in the scorecards this year. Yeah, so we do eight, something like 8,000 ratings. So we're the only group that scores every member of Congress, every state legislator will be adding the 
governors uh, to that as well. And you definitely see trends. I'll tell you one thing since we started doing all the states is you can tell what state you'd want to move your business to. I mean, Elon Musk just famously moved his incorporation for X from Delaware to Texas. And you could have seen that trend in our ratings. So I tell everybody who's in business, you know, don't hire those big fancy consulting firms to figure out where you should add your headquarters or your or, or your next expansion. Just look at our ratings. You can see uh, where you want to be doing business in this country. And, you know, I think that's true generally for this assumption that Republicans who say they're conservative are. A lot of times, uh, let's just say they're shading the truth, John. Yes, that's for yeah. sure. Matt, there is this incredible synthesis that takes place between policy, culture, and CPAC. And it seems to be kind of a chicken and egg scenario because policy obviously influence, policy and culture influence what happens at CPAC, but CPAC also influences policy and a lot of what's yep. talked about in culture. There are always new ideas at CPAC, aren't, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm very proud of, and John and I have talked about this in past years, is you know, God's going to be a special uh, uh, person at CPAC or making a special appearance in the form of Protestant worship services. We're going to have Catholic mass every day, including uh, mass after CPAC is over uh, on Saturday night. Uh, and we have Bishop Strickland coming uh, from the state of Texas. He was famously relieved of his duties by Pope Francis and because he stood up against the woke agenda. He's going to be a very important uh, speaker at this year's CPAC. We're going to have a special viewing of this new great movie from Angel Studios called Cabrini, which is the story of this courageous Italian nun, Mother Cabrini, now a saint, who uh, came to New York City and really went around the globe to, to help the impoverished folks uh, uh, in New York City and other places. So I love the fact that we've been able to weave in more uh, a faith component to CPAC. It was always kind of just completely secular, and although it's still a secular event, it is... Uh, we can't save America without asking God to continue to bless America. Yeah, such an important Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Matt, we've just got about 20 seconds left. I know for people who want to come to CPAC but can't, they want to be streaming. How can they do that? Okay, so that's a great question. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to go to our website at CPAC.org, and you're going to have lots of options in which to do that. And I don't think you're going to be able to miss uh, watching CPAC next week. Yeah, we'll be streaming yeah. it here. And <laughs> Absolutely. There are going to be some that's incredible guests. I can't question. wait to be there. I love it. I love it. All right, everybody. So make sure you tune in for any of the streaming capabilities for CPAC. We're going to be there on the ground. We can't wait to be there to see you, Matt, in person and your beautiful wife, Mercy, and everyone else who's going to be there. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? 
It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Welcome back to your President's Day edition of Just the News, No Noise. Amanda and I are going to stay on the theme of CPAC. Why not? It's the big event in Washington this week, the Super Bowl of conservative politics. And we have a lot of great faces that are going to be there, a lot of people who will be showcased. And we couldn't have a better guest than our next. Abe Pomaday was the 2022 Republican nominee for attorney general in Arizona. And now he continues his campaign for U.S. Congress as the Trump-endorsed 8th Congressional District Republican nominee, or candidate, hopefully soon to be the nominee. He joins us now. Abe, great to have you back on, sir. Good to be with you guys. All right, we're going to ask you, because we all have our own memories, uh, do you have a favorite CPAC moment in your uh, in your career? Well, John, you know, just hearing about the CPAC and, you know, from my memories, I was, tr- in, back in 2011, that was the first time I went. So I was a young man. I think I was 20 years old. And, you know, this was after the Tea Party movement. So this is really the beginning stages of kind of what this America First movement transpired to become. And you look at the people who were on stage back then. I remember it was Michelle Bachman, so many faces, so many people. And you look at where they go in their careers and into the movement. So it's really, you know, Ronald Reagan, this is one of his favorite events to go to, John. And it's because you there's no better place to gather so many of these intellectual conservative minds and people who are actually getting things done in their states. And you finally have one once a year an ability to meet with everybody and, uh, you know, converse and you know, become friends with them. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it. So I'm really looking forward to now going on the main stage, I believe on Thursday next week. So it's kind of a surreal moment where I first was there, what was it now, 13 years ago. And uh, here here we are. And, and we're still fighting here in Arizona, whether it's the election lawsuits 
and now for Congress. But I think people recognize, you know, what this moment means. And CPAC really offers that sense of community. So it's shared camaraderie. So that's why I'm honored to be going there. Carrie Lake will be joining us as well. So it's going to be a good event. Yeah, it's going to be big. Yeah. Arizona representative. Yeah, for big. candidates like yourself. Yeah, speaking on that main stage is that's like a, a nitrous oxide injection into your campaign to just propel you beyond that. Um, what are some of those main issues that you're going to be discussing at CPAC? Now, I think right now everybody feels this feeling in their gut that something is seriously wrong with our country, and I want people to recognize what this moment means. And you know, some folks I talked to on the campaign trail they feel really depressed, Amanda, and. I try to instill this sense of optimism and hope because you know, what I look at is that we were placed on this earth for a reason at this time, at this moment, just like our founding fathers were back in the 1700s. And you know, we have to really come a- into awareness of that. And you know, I-, I think people are starting to get that type of message, but we understand that this country is going in the wrong direction. It seems intentionally, whether it's our open border disaster here, especially that's affecting Arizona. Uh, so viciously, but you look at our elections are compromised where, you know, you can't even dare question incompetent election officials anymore in this country. And you look at our foreign policy that's been completely uh, hijacked by, by I think, Marxist lunatics, quite frankly. You look at we're on the cusp of World War Three. So, you know, although there's although our country's in a dire place right now, I think the most beautiful thing is you have people rising up to that challenge, whether they're running for a school board office or county races or Congress. I think you're seeing this great awakening happening. So I really want to make sure that's highlighted in my speech. Yeah, it's, it's sort of funny. One of the things that I've had, I have a lot of people who said, I didn't think I was conservative, but I am now. And I think there's been an awakening of people realizing that the left has moved so far left that people are realizing the only way to save it is to move to the right or move to the center even. Um, and I think that's going to be a big theme at CPAC. I want to turn to the power of President Trump's endorsement, because obviously that uh, he, he's already put his name down on your candidacy very early in the process. That's made a big difference uh, for candidates who get that early in a, in a contested primary, how important is it? Oh, it's immensely important. You know, for my attorney general race uh, two years ago, you know, that propelled us to the top. We were outspent by millions and millions of dollars, but President Trump's endorsement, you know, is invaluable. And for him to put his faith in me once again for Congress was was really humbling. And, uh, you know, I'm so proud to have it. So, you know, people on the campaign trail recognize that President Trump you know, he's in this to win it. He knows who he wants in Washington, D.C. with him to pass his America First agenda. And I look forward to joining him and Carrie Lake here in the Senate uh, in Washington, D.C., because I think we're going to get a lot accomplished. Everything that Carrie Lake and I wanted to do at the state level, we're going to be able to do that at the federal level with President Trump in office. That's why, you know, election integrity is going to be one of my main focuses when I'm in Congress. You know, I think too often it's neglected at the federal level, unfortunately. Border security, uh, Carrie Lake and I know what's going on down here, and it's a it's a mess. And John, it's not, you know, we all talk about border security constantly, but it actually has, you know, real impact. Right here in Arizona, there's South American cartel members who are burglarizing yep. so many homes. It's not just here in Arizona, it's actually in other states as well. So, you know, this is affecting crime. It's really, and I think that's the messaging we have to take to the American people, because you're right. I think so many people have awoken 
up and said, you know, the, the leftist policies are destroying their cities. They're they're making them poor, and and they're making they're creating misery. So I mean, we just have to have this vision of hope and optimism, and look back to just even four years ago, it was much better under President Trump. So I think most people recognize that, and, and we got to make sure that you know we're able to communicate effectively. Yeah. Good yeah. Point. AB mentioned that um, unsettled feeling that a lot of people feel in their stomach about the direction of our country. And I think that one of the main drivers of that uh, feeling of unsettledness is, is elections. Because if you can't fix election, elections, if you don't have honest, free and fair elections, then, then pretty much nothing else matters because it all trickles down from there. Arizona has been pretty much ground zero for the election integrity fight. Um, we are possibly facing new leadership at the RNC, which may or may not be helpful with respect to election integrity, what do you want to, what do you want to see done between now and November in your home state of Arizona to ensure that that if and when you win or or whatever happens that you are confident in those results? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point cuz on the trail so many people ask me whether whether their vote will matter. And that's why I was actually really proud to see that America First Legal, Stephen Miller's group, actually filed a really big lawsuit here against Maricopa County just last week. And it talks about all the failures and all the violations of the law that's happening. So this is where we have to start getting creative, just like how the Democrats with Mark Elias, you know, they're always playing on offense. So here we're filing, they're, they're filing lawsuits, our conservative movement's filing lawsuits before the election in order to safeguard it. So that's that's one key aspect. But you know, in reality right now, when I'm in Congress, what I look forward to, Amanda, is passing the election integrity at the federal level, like banning federally ranked choice voting. I think that's going to be really key. You know, here we lost a congressional seat in Alaska because of ranked choice voting. It is a complete mess. It's it's meant to confuse the voters. But I also think what we need to do is make sure we we have uh, clean up the voter rolls at the federal level as well. We have to have some standards and safeguards because so many of these counties are out of control and there, there's no real audits of their voter rolls. And there's so much being exposed, even from 2020, that's still happening. I know it's taboo to talk about to so many people, but it's real. I mean, you look at Georgia. In Georgia's case, there's so much going on. Just all these lawsuits that I'm still fighting, that Carrie Lake's fighting, it's all, we're, we're still fighting because the truth will come out. You know, it's gonna cost us money and time, but the truth is coming out and allow us to better prepare for these fights going forward in the future. Yeah. And one of the great things about CPAC this year, there's going to be a whole panel on election integrity. So we'll be able to talk freely there at CPAC about it. I'm going to be on that panel. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, we look forward to seeing you uh, later this week at CPAC. We'll be sure to have you on again when we're uh, when we're there. But good. Thanks for joining us and give us a great flyover for this very important event this week. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, presidential historian and New York Times bestselling author Craig Shirley. We're going to walk through the history of President's Day and CPAC. There's a lot more history we could talk about CPAC. You're going to enjoy that, particularly with Ronald Reagan. We'll have all of that. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everyone. Happy Monday. We are going to keep our President's Day special edition of Just the News, No Noise rolling with another very special guest. He's not only the chairman and CEO of Shirley and McVicker Public Affairs, but he's an amazing presidential historian and a New York Times bestselling author who just published his latest book titled The Search for Reagan. He's also our very good friend, Craig Shirley, and he joins us right now. Craig, it's an honor to have you back with us. Happy President's Day to you, sir. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me. Congrats on the book. Absolutely. And we, we love having you on, especially on days like President's Day. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I want to take a moment to talk about your book. I think that, you know, every time you have written a book out there, it is so valuable, especially with respect to a historical perspective, especially with respect to Reagan, your specialty. Can you tell us about it? Well, this book um, is a number, a number of things about this, Amanda, is that uh, it is exploration of Reagan's intellect, which was considerable and also his mm -hmm. compassion, which was also considerable. But also it refutes many of the lies of the, the left has spun many years about Ronald Reagan. You know, Napoleon once said that history is a pack of lies agreed upon. And th there have been a number of lies that have gone out over the years about Ronald Reagan and AIDS, Ronald Reagan and race, Ronald Reagan and reparations, Ronald Reagan and uh, Gorbachev, other, other things. And so this book pushes back and, and corrects the record and tells the truth about Reagan on those and so many other other issues and demonstrates not only his capacity for for intelligence. Marty Anderson, who was an old friend of mine, uh, passed away several years ago, but he was a longtime aide to uh, Ronald Reagan. And he had degrees from Ivy League schools and MIT, and he knew from what he was talking about. And he once told me that he thought Reagan's IQ was about 175. Uh, which is which is you know considerable. I know mine's not that, uh, but you know he, he he thought very deeply about things. And the, I, I consider the mark of intellectualism not only to be a reader. And Reagan was a voracious reader. He read five newspapers a day, one nonfiction book a week, uh, but also being a writer. Uh, those are I think two of the things that marks intellectualism. And he was a voracious writer of letters and speeches and radio commentaries and his own his own books as well so uh i think i think hopefully this pushes back and uh and corrects the record about ronald reagan yeah that's a, that was a great tribute because it has been a lot of distortion of his record in the particular last five yes. six years that you see it and yes. this is going to be really great uh craig uh ronald reagan uh, and cpac kind of grew up together cpac started obviously a lot earlier than reagan's movement but the 80s were the heyday of both coming into uh the mainstream how important is cpac and tell us a little bit about its history why was it formed and how has it changed over the years oh yeah go back to uh it was formed for ronald reagan ronald yeah. reagan came of age as a former governor, uh, as a presidential candidate, and as a president with CPAC. You know, let me say one thing is my wife, Zareen, ran CPAC for uh, six years, so you probably ought to be talking to her instead of me. <laughs> but uh, I did I did the PR for many years for CPAC and was sure. deeply involved in its planning. So I'm a poor substitute for Zareen, but I'll try to answer your question. <laughs> it came about the two, two fellows who deserve the most credit putting together are still with us today, Jim Roberts and Frank Donatelli. Frank was uh, ended up as 
political director of the Reagan White House, and right. Jim has run right. a, a Radio America for many years. Uh, they, at the, when they were young fellows back in the '73, Watergate was crushing down the morale of, of, of conservatives and, and Republicans, and uh, uh, some people like Tom uh, Stan Evans and Tom Winter and Alan Riskin told Frank and uh, and Jim. Look, we need a conference to to lift conservative spirits, and so they they said, Look, we want you to put together a conference. So the first one was actually at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, and of course the featured speaker was uh, Governor Reagan, uh, who gave a very very good uplifting speech as he always did. And, and as CPAC grew over the years, that was so successful they did one seventy four and seventy five. As it grew over the years, Reagan came every year. As a, as a former governor, as a presidential candidate, and as a president. The only two years he didn't come when it was when he was running in 76 and 80, but he came every year, even the year in 87, when he was recovering from cancer surgery. He wasn't a dinner speaker, but he was a luncheon speaker. So oh, wow. CPAC was very important around Reagan. You know, CPAC has changed over the years. John and Amanda used to be serious about policy. There used to be serious discussions about tax policy and foreign policy and family policy. Really, you know, there's some really good conversations and discussions. CPAC, unfortunately, uh, has uh, in many ways reminds me of what the longshoreman philosopher Eric Hoffer once said, is that once what starts out as a cause then becomes a, uh, a business and eventually descends into a racket. And CPAC, in many ways, is not what it used to be, not not nearly what it used to be. It's uh, it's it's still there. It's still good for young people to go and see. And uh, but it, but the, the the policy conversations are pretty much over. It's just a, it's 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 a it's a kind of a comic con for conservatives to show off their wares and in their exhibition halls and their speeches and things like that. So and I, I'm I'm saddened by what has happened to CPAC. And now of course. Matt Schlapp has his own problems, which is, you know, is a great uh, shadow over CPAC this year. Craig, I, I think you nailed it on the youth aspect of CPAC, because every year that I have gone, which has basically been every year since 2017, um, it, the crowd gets younger and younger. And there is I, th yes. I think there is some value to that activism that it inspires. Absolutely. But here's something amazing. You know, the liberal mainstream liberal has managed to commandeer mainstream media, Hollywood, academia, the tech space, practically everything, but they don't have an answer for CPAC. I feel like there's got to be a philosophical uh, reason for that. Why is that? Amanda, that's such a great question. And I've thought about that many, many times because you're absolutely right. Every institution of importance in America, liberals have taken over. Hollywood used to be a conservative institution. American colleges and universities used to be conservative institutions. Uh, religion, uh, government used to be, you know, uh, non-ideological, and now they've all been taken over by the left. But the left has never been able to replicate CPAC nor take it over. And I wish I had a, an easy answer why, except that um, CPAC has history going for it, has a lot of good history. You know, we've had, uh, you know, foreign policy leaders there and, uh, sure, you know, sure. foreign leaders there and Reagan and Gingrich and so many other important leaders of the right speak there over the years. And, you know, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and uh, so many of our friends. I'm, I'm sure John and Amanda, you both have spoken there. I've spoken there many times. Uh, but it, it was a great gathering together. And why the left can't replicate it, I don't know. I, they just lack. It's not about finances because CPAC has always been 
fairly inexpensive for the young people, as you as the young people, which is an important point. Uh, you know, Reagan always wanted CPAC to stay inexpensive for young people to attend, Amanda. And, and uh, uh, so it, it is a magnet for young people. And that is probably its most important function right now is, is that it's good for the morale of young people. It's good for a gathering place for young people. But the left, you're right, has not been able to replicate it. And quite honestly, I don't have an answer why. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. an amazing thing it's to watch as a reporter, to too. I was always thinking at some point the left would catch on to this, but they never really did. Uh, Craig, no. we got about a minute they, left. They, We're they in tried. President's Day, what, what and I do. often wonder today how much history has been hijacked to demean America when much of our history's country has been about the optimism, what we get right. We're not perfect. What's your message to people today on this very special holiday? Uh, is that, first of all, President's Day used to be George Washington's birthday and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. That's the most important thing, is that, and I wish it would go back to the way it was, yeah. uh, because because lumping them in together is not fair to them or their, their legacies. These are two of the four greatest presidents in our, in our history. And, and don't ask me, ask John Patrick Diggins, who was a liberal historian, right. who his last right. book he ever wrote, he wrote many books about the American left during his lifetime, but his last book, was called Ronald Reagan, Fate, Freedom, and the Making of History. And in that book, Diggins says our four greatest presidents were George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt, and Ronald Reagan. Because A, they made their country a better place to live, and B, they freed many, many people. Uh, and that's really a, what, a, what a wonderful way to, you know, to uh, measure a, a president's worth and, and success. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but, but I, I, I would like to, for everybody, I'm, I'm, you know, you can't turn, turn the clock backward anymore, but I would like to see go forward and see history uh, studied more, studied again. And, and the importance Absolutely. of Absolutely. You know, is that so, so few. Craig, I'm so sorry. We have to let you go. Everybody, please go check out his book, The Search for Reagan. It absolutely captures such an important aspect of that president. We'll be right back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Welcome back, everybody. We only got a few minutes left on this very special President's Day edition of Just the News, No, no Noise. Before we hand off to our good friend, Grant Stinchfeld, uh, I want to come back to the top of the show, Amanda. Uh, Matchlab gave us a great flyover, not only of this year's CPAC, but also of uh, the history of it and why so many young people have found their home, just like um, Abe Hamaday told us, at CPAC. Uh, that's the one thing as a reporter I've never lost sight of, CPAC and the number of young people that are excited to be there every year. Boy, it is always so great to see those young faces there. And what you know, what's amazing about conservative politics right now is that it's kind of, it, it's becoming punk. You know, being a Trump supporter, being America first, being conservative, that's what's punk these days. And especially considering, you know, what happened during COVID and we saw so many celebrities who, you know, rage against the machine, their lead singer who was, you know, criticizing anyone who wasn't getting the vaccine. These people that were Suppose these people who were punk in my generation, yep. who came out, who just fell in line with what the government was telling them to do. It was the complete opposite of being any type of, of rebel or anything like that. And it's amazing to see young conservatives embracing that and getting involved and getting active. Um, I also found it interesting what Matt Schlapp said about the reasoning that the left doesn't have an answer to CPAC. And I think he was absolutely spot on because... It always seems like the point at which someone goes from being a liberal to a conservative is the point at which they quit being a parasite and they start becoming a producer. When you start being a producer, when you start contributing to your life, to your work, to your family, to your country, that's when you inherently uh, move into more of the conservative values. And I thought that that was a great answer because I've been looking for that answer for a long time. Why hasn't the left been able to do it? Because they're so organized. They're so active. But he's exactly right. Yeah, no, there's no doubt he is. And um, this year is, uh, I think, a recentering point. I think Republicans and Matt went out of his way to say, listen, Congress hasn't earned a lot of spots on our CPACs this age because they haven't lived up to their conservative values. I yeah. think that was a very poignant moment that CPAC is still a meritocracy, too. You don't automatically get in just because you got an R in your name or you claim you're conservative. You got to do things uh, that make a difference. And I think uh, having um, uh, Malay there is going to be a remarkable thing. You saw the video footage recently recently where he flew commercial blue, you know, everyone on the plane away. Um, uh, that is such an extraordinary moment. You've got these leaders that are coming in from the world. And they, in some ways, they need to remind some of the conservatives here that have become hunkered down that it's OK to be out there. Wear your conservative sleeve, wear your conservative values on your sleeve. Don't be afraid of it. Don't hunker down because of cancel culture. I think some of these foreign leaders are more assertive than maybe some of our members of Congress who've buckled so much, whether it was the border deal, other things. Uh, the contrast between some of the conservative leaders who haven't led and some of these world leaders who just leaned in and won, uh, it could be an interesting contrast yeah. this year. Yeah, and I think we're going to stretch our contacts and see if we can get Javier Malay and possibly <laughs> Bukele on the show while Let's we're there at CPAC. It. So we'll see if we're I able to thread that, that needle. Um, so, John, there is an anti-CPAC that kind of overlaps yeah. with CPAC. I think it starts on the Friday or the Saturday, Saturday of yeah. CPAC. And it's, yeah, it starts in, uh, on Saturday called Principles First, featuring some of your uh, typical detractors, Adam Kinzinger, Asa Hutchinson, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's going to be well attended? 
There have been lots of efforts to mimic, replicate, uh, counter uh, CPAC. They've never endured. The only thing that's endured is CPAC from 74 till today. I think this is the um, 50th anniversary of it. Uh, it's always endured. And I think that um, these are just stunts to try to give an area for protest Republicans or protest conservatives a place to be. But will they get the media attention to CPAC? No. Uh, and will it be a flash in the pan that probably moves on in a year or two from now? Yes. So, uh, you know, CPAC is just unique in the history of politics. Not even the left has been able to replicate it despite several efforts. And I think today uh, we're reminded of, of the, the staying power of CPAC and its role in history. Some of the biggest speeches are given there. And, you know, people say, what's your favorite CPAC? I don't have a favorite moment as a journalist, but I will say one of the most consequential was February 2021 when President Trump uh, began his comeback because no one knew how people were going to greet him uh, after the January 6th fiasco and sort of the bumpy end to his presidency. And that speech and his resilience and the crowd's adoration and engagement with him told us something that the rest of the media didn't know yet, right, which is that Donald Trump was coming yeah. back and he wasn't going to be stopped. And I think this CPAC, you'll see the completion of that comeback uh, with his uh, speech in, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, that was the year that his speech went close to three hours and I missed my flight back to Los Angeles for it. And I was happy <laughs> Your to do Your memory's so. <laughs> right. Your memory's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see how long this one year is, but it's going to be fun. Like I said, Malay, yeah. uh, there's a lot of opportunities. We're going to be there all week. That's the great thing about being here at Real America's Voice. You're going to get live coverage, stem to stern from CPAC. Lots of exclusive interviews, behind the scenes stuff. It's going to be fun, not just for Amanda and I, but for all of our audience here at Real America's Voice. Until... Well, with that, I got another good idea for Real America's Voice audience. Stick around. The amazing, the one, the only. Grant Stinchfeld is going to take you through the next hour. We're going to see him live in Washington later this week. But Grant will give you a good ride through the news today on this President's Day. We'll be back tomorrow with another show. Until then, God bless you. And please have a good night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.